It's a good song. I want to talk to you about the anointing of God upon your life tonight. Upon my, upon my life, the Lord willing, I'll be able to get it out uh, as the Lord may allow me to do so. Do pray for me. I still request prayer. Sometimes I have trouble communicating and I'm having more and more difficulty with that. I have uh, two, uh, uh, what do they call them? Those tests tomorrow. Uh, what are they? MRIs. MRIs. I can't spell them. MRIs. Back to back. So hopefully they'll find nothing there and the Lord willing and everything will be checked out. But still want to find the problem that I have. It's an esophagus problem and it affects my breathing. Sometimes I have these headaches that I have and trying to find the answer to that. So you pray for me if, I, if you would. But I've been talking about Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. And let's stand together and read that verse. And I want to go to a couple other passages tonight with the help of the Lord. I don't want to dwell on Luke 18 tonight, but I do want to read the verse. And then I want to go to 1 John chapter 2 and 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Everybody there? Okay, the rest of you get there in just a minute. The Spirit, that's a capital S in my Bible, of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The emphasis on the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Fulfilling Isaiah 61.1, Billy Sunday would use that passage every time he preached in Crusades. He had opened up his Bible. He would read that verse before he ever preached. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel. And I'm grateful to God for the wonderful truth that God's given us about the Holy Ghost who comes to dwell in us. But he also talks about the anointing of God upon our lives. Father, bless, we pray, our time together. And Lord, I want to be a blessing for just a few moments. Lord, may you give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. I'll be able to say that which needs to be said from my heart. Sometimes, Lord, I have difficulty explaining what I'm trying to explain. And I just need a fresh oil myself. Just a fresh touch of God upon my life. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. It's up to you. I leave the divine healing up to you, Lord. And thank you for allowing me to be a part of the ministry. And I just want to be used to thee as long as possible. I pray you will take the message tonight and apply it to all of our lives. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name for your sake. Amen. May be seated. I've already said before, I know the Holy Ghost of God dwells on the inside of us. How do I know that? Because the Bible says so. Somebody says, well, I don't feel the Holy Ghost. You don't base everything you do on feeling. You don't base your salvation on feeling. Remember, Fanny Crosby, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the Word of God. None else is worth believing. I can't base my salvation on how I feel. Sometimes God feels a million miles away. Sometimes He feels so close I could touch Him. But He doesn't always walk. We don't always walk by sight. We walk by faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is trusting God when I can't see Him. Faith is trusting God when I don't know if He's there or not. But my faith says He is there. Faith believes He's there. Faith trusts He's there. And my faith believes He dwells inside of me. Because He said, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. And He says, the gift of the Holy Ghost comes 
Acts chapter 1, you shall receive power. After that, the, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. You shall be witnessing me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And I'm glad for what is referred to as the anointing. So turn with me, please, to 1 John chapter 2. There are several words in 1 John. There's a word unction. And then there's a word anointing used several times in verse 27. Chapter 2. St. John, who wrote the book of St. John, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Then back in the book of Second Corinthians chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 21. Now he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. Now you hear a lot about the anointing tonight. I'll get to it in just a moment, especially on television. You hear a lot of strange things about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't think God's weird. I don't think God does. God can do miraculous things. But sometimes I think a lot of things have been attributed to the Holy Ghost is not attributed to the Holy Ghost of God. I saw a guy several years ago on television under the anointing of God kick a woman in her teeth. And he said, God told me to do that. Well, if I was that woman's husband and God told me to slap a tar out of you, you know, just kick my wife in the teeth and said, God told me to do that. Right there on television. And now he said God told him to do it. And somebody says, can't question what God says. Well, if it's foolishness, you can question it. I mean, if it's of God, there's going to be some blessings come out of it. And I didn't see no blessing come out except to her lady. Uh, remember years ago where a man was preaching under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and somebody died and the preacher prayed for his healing and said he's healed. And then all of a sudden the guy died right there in front of everybody. Instead of getting healed, he died. Well, the, the preacher had to say something right quickly. He said he got the big healing. And what it was, he went on to heaven. That's what he was. That was his healing. Well, he wasn't praying for him to die to go to heaven. He was praying for him to miraculously heal his body. And I guess you could say they got the big healing, but that was not what he was in praying for. He was praying for his limbs to be touched and be displayed publicly in front of everybody. Many have a lot of things about the Holy Ghost. There's three things I must have. I must have the Father's presence. He abides with me. Get that word in your mind and your heart is important. He abides in me. He, you abide in Him. He abides in you. And the Holy Ghost abides in you. His presence is important. Moses even said in the Old Testament, before the Holy Ghost came in to live in the people, they came upon folks. <clears throat> Moses said, I don't want to go forward unless your presence goes with me. I don't want to go forward unless your presence goes with me. We sung it a while ago. He walks with me. He talks with me. He goes with me everywhere, all the time. He goes with us to the end of the world. I shall never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you all the way, even to the end of this age in this world. 
The second thing I must have, not only is the Father's presence, I've got to have the Father's promises. Someone said there's 33,000 promises in the Bible. I've never read that many. I don't know if they're there or not, but I believe there are some promises in the Bible. And if there's 33,000 or more than that, all of them may not be directly to us. Many may be to the Jewish people or to somebody else, but they make application to our life. I'm grateful for the promises that God has given us. I'm glad for the old song standing on the promises of God. I'm glad we can stand on them. I believe we can take it to the bank. If God said it, it's true. Period. You say, but we can't explain it. And I've said this repeatedly in recent weeks. You've said it yourself, probably your own testimony. I can't always explain God, but I believe God. I can't explain everything He does. I can't put a, a digestive information and say this is point one, point two, point three. this is the way God does it. I can't put God in a test tube. I can't figure God out. And remember, when you get to the place where you figure God out, you're God. Okay, so just as long as you've got to realize, and I've got to realize, I need a God I cannot completely understand because if I could understand Him completely, I would be God. Does that make sense? So I don't need to be God. I need somebody. I know I'm not God. I need all the help I can get and then some. And so the promises that God gives when He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you all the way to the end of this world. That's good to go to bed at night. Or standing on the promises of the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Knowing the promises of God are sure, and God cannot lie. Say it with me, please. God cannot lie. God never has lied. God is not lying now. God shall never lie. What He said yesterday, He means today. God never lies. Well, I need that. I need to know His presence is with me. I need to know the promises are genuine. The Word of God is forever settled in heaven. Not one jot, not one tittle shall be passed away. And then I need my Father's power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. Somebody says, well, I'm not a very good witness. Everybody's a witness. If you if you got God's power on the inside, then you're supposed to be a witness for Christ. Now, we may quench that power. We may quench the ability for God to use us. But it is available. All the power of God is available to all of us. He doesn't show respect to a man. God comes to dwell on the inside of your body. All God's people said. Involved in the Holy Ghost of God is the power of God. And the power of God is available to every man, woman, boy, and girl. Billy Sunday was not somebody who had a stranglehold on God. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me as he preached the gospel back in the 20s and 30s. And so was it true of every other man or woman who's ever taught or preached the Word of God or testified or given a message to somebody else. The same Spirit that dwells in you dwells in me. You see, I can't explain that. I said a while ago, I can't explain some things. The same Holy Ghost that lives in me lives in Tommy, lives in John, he lives in Lynn, lives, he lives in all of us. God's everywhere. He fills the entire universe, but He also lives inside of our body, and He's there all the time. He was there when you got up this morning. He'll be there when you go to bed at night. Now, we may talk to Him differently. Sometimes we may say God the Father, we may say God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, the Trinity. They all agree as one, but I think it's good to realize and recognize they all have different ministry. And so they do, and so it's good sometimes, Holy Ghost of God, I need your power. 
Now, he's not going to kick you out of heaven because you say, God, the Father, I need your power. But I think it is good to remember that the power should come upon you by the Holy Ghost of God. And we sometimes talk about the anointing of the Lord. It's a word tossed around a lot today in Pentecostal movements and even among Baptists. Uh, we hear the word tossed around quite a bit. I tread on sacred ground tonight. I want to feel like Moses of old take my shoes off. When Moses confronted God, or God confronted Moses at the burning bush, and uh, he was burning out there in the wilderness, take your shoes off, Moses. You're on sacred ground. You're on holy ground. And sometimes we come to holy ground in the scriptures that we sort of just push right through like no big deal. It's just everyday stuff. That's not everyday stuff. And when God's presence is with us, that's precious. And when we're having the promises of God reminded to us, that's precious. And when we know the power of God is upon us, it means something dear and precious to us. That God's power is available to me and God's power is available to you. And who am I to have that? Who am I to say that God's going to give me power? The weakest of all the children of God has access to the power of God. That's a tremendous thought. You don't have to be a, quote, the best Christian in the world. You don't have to be the strongest Christian in the world. But you do got to realize, and I got to realize that the Holy Ghost does live on the inside of me. I would challenge you tonight before you go to bed, while you're dressing for bed, or while you pillow your head before you close your eyes, to say something to the Trinity. It may be good to talk to all three of you before you go to bed tonight. Yeah. Father, Jesus, Holy Ghost, I'm going to sleep tonight. You take care of things. I'll see you in the morning. Okay. I mean, you know, since me we're staying up all night worrying about it. You ever stay up all night and worry about a problem? I think most of us probably get agitated and get on our mind, and we can't sleep because this problem, this MRI is going to come up tomorrow, so I'm going to stay up all night and think about it. And we get plugged into that tube and can't get out. But, you know, you think about things, you think about problems, and you dwell on them before they get there. And sometimes we forget that God leads His dear children along, and God helps us. And the first time I had major surgery years ago, I had, uh, I've had cerebral surgery, but I had colon surgery. Uh, my colon ruptured on me, and I was on the way to a revival meeting, and I was getting ready to go, and the doctor told me to go by the... I went to the doctor to get some medicine. He told me to go to the hospital. I said, I don't have time to go to the hospital. I've got to start revival tonight. He said, would you listen to your doctor and go to the hospital? I got to the hospital and put me in a wheelchair, and this nurse come over, and she said, who's your surgeon? And I said, ma'am, I don't have a surgeon. She said, you name somebody. You're going to have to have surgery. That's the last thing I remember. I gave her a surgeon's name, Dr. Lyles, and I've said this several times. The last time when I woke up several days later after surgery, the first person I saw was Fred Tyner. That scared me to death. I didn't think I went to heaven. <laughs> but Fred said, how you doing, Otis? <laughs> you know, the old drunk on Barney Five. But uh, I uh, first when I went into surgery, before I went into surgery to make preparations after that, they take you in a little room, real cold back in there. Get you all prepped and all that kind of stuff. I found myself quoting Psalms 23 over and over again. You say, don't you have faith? Yes, but I like to have more faith. I like to have much faith. And when you're going into something, you're going to the unknown, and they're going to put you to sleep. How do you know they're going to wake you up? You put more trust in them doctors to anesthesiologists sometimes you do to God. And uh, my doctor who does my... Uh, 
endoscopic. He comes October the 4th. I've got to go back every 10 weeks to him. He comes by the bed and talks to me while he says, Well, Rev, let's go rumble. That's what he calls it. He's going to go rumble. He's not doing that much rumbling. I'm doing the rumbling. And then they stick that thing on your mouth and say, How's things going? You're going fine. That's the last thing you remember as you wake up again back in the room. But the fact is, you trust somebody. And it's like getting a prescription field. They write a prescription for you. And it's something you cannot read. You take it to a druggist you don't know to give you a pill that you've never tasted for, and you take it. That takes faith. But we can't trust God, can we? We have difficulty trusting God for our problems. How many of you worry? Raise your hand. We appreciate your honesty. How many has worried? All right. And most of us probably at some time or another. We ought to worry less. And the Bible even teaches that in the book of Philippians. Uh, Don't be anxious for nothing. That's a pretty powerful statement, is it not? But the Holy Ghost who was there in creation and made everything there is, and then Jesus who made everything that he is, and the Father who was there in creation made everything that he is, is the same God dwells in us. But I need his power. And so the anointing of God is important. Dr. Bob Jones of Bob Jones University was a Methodist preacher, <clears throat> a great preacher, great evangelist for years, died somewhere in the late 60s. He used to keep his hand like this and preach when he preached. He'd say, do right! If a star falls from heaven, he'd go, oh, that's the only thing I remember he said. I know he said that. But he preached and he said, I'd rather a fellow say I've seen who has seen something than say I have seen and seen nothing. Talk about I need the power of the Holy Ghost, need the unction of the Holy Ghost of God on my life. He called it the unction. And the old timers used to call it the old God. Give me the unction of the Holy Ghost. That unction was the power of God. And then there's a little phrase out, without the unction, I can't function. I need the unction of the Holy Ghost of God. And then we come down sometimes to, now we've got almost sacrilegious about the Holy Ghost. We're almost playing Him. We're almost like we use Him. Someone calls it the Triple Anointing Prayer Club. So I read this the other day. It's called the Triple Anointing. You get a triple anointing. So I'm going to pray for your anointing. You get a triple anointing of the Holy Ghost. If you'll do what I tell you to do and send a gift back your money, send a love offering in, you'll get the triple anointing. You're trying to buy God's power. I don't cut it. I don't cut it. It's without, it's without me giving a penny. If I want to give a gift, that ought to be between me and good the Lord. It ought not to be me sending money back every time. If you'll just write a check, you'll be blessed. God bless you if you don't write a check. If you're blessed, you're not conditioned how big your check is. Now, God can bless you with a big check, but that's between God and your own works and what you what He wants to do for you. But if you're making a conditional every time, if I do this, God's going to do this, I'm bargaining with God. Lord, I'm just a needy person. I need help. God, I need, you, I need your power upon my life. This one guy, he had a tent ministry for years. And after he got through these ten, he cut it up in little pieces. And he called it a miracle service. They cut it up and they sewed all the pieces of the tent to anybody who wanted to buy a piece. Now, to me, that borders on foolishness. I don't need a piece of an old tent. I've got God who made the tent. Amen. I, mean, I don't need a piece of a tent you know, to carry, carry around with me. Now, you can battle that. If you want to do it, that's fine. I don't have time. I want to go straight. I like to go straight to God. And just reading this morning in my devotions, the reason I can go straight to God is we've got an intercessor there named Jesus Christ. 
I can go talk great straight to the Father anytime I want to. And, and my Lord ever, inter, ever, ever lives to intercede for me. I have one mediator between God and me, and that's the man Christ Jesus, and He ever liveth to intercede for us. And I'm grateful that I can talk to God the Father anytime through the Lord Jesus Christ, and He intercedes for me. And the Holy Ghost is down here interceding in our behalf before the Father, and Jesus is up there interceding for us as the prayers come up before Father. We've got, we got a wonderful Father, a wonderful Trinity that's working for us. Sometimes folks talk about uh, there must be a great anointing on somebody's life. I had goosebumps go up and down my back. Well, that's not necessarily a sign biblically that you got the, that somebody got the anointing. They may be a very good singer, maybe a very good preacher, but that's not necessarily a sign because you got goosebumps. Now, if it is, if it is I mean, I, that's fine. I, I guess that's okay. But I didn't, I didn't have those goosebumps. You said, well, if you got what I got, you'd have goosebumps. It's like the old guy said, when I got saved, my hair stood on end. Well, what about the bald-headed guy? He don't have a chance if your hair's got to stand up. Somebody said, when I got saved, there were chill bumps went up and down my spine. That don't happen to everybody. A lot of folks get saved, and they don't have a lot of emotions at all. Some folks have high emotions. Some don't have any at all. The important thing is, do you believe what the Lord Jesus Christ said that who serves to call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, period. It is not hard to get saved. What's difficult in the Christian life is us yielding ourselves to the Lord so He can live through us the life that needs to be lived. That's where the real battle comes. Christianity's free. It didn't cost me a dime to get saved. And it's, it's easy to be saved. You've got to realize your need. But He didn't make it hard to be saved. You think God would bankrupt heaven and send His Son to die on the cross and make it hard to be saved? I mean, he doesn't make it hard, but he makes it more it's simple. Maybe that's a better word than easy, but it's simple for anybody to be saved if they realize their need and called out to God for salvation. The problem is we want to make it hard and try to make some bargains with God. But anyhow, it can make some wonderful changes in people's lives when the anointing of God comes on them, however. It can make a shy boy preach to thousands of people. It can make somebody who can stand up and testify who would never testify before. And stood up and testified, so I just want to say a word for Jesus. And they never spoken publicly in their life for Jesus. Something caused, it's the difference that comes in their life. It's different now since Jesus made me whole. It's different now. And sometimes they make mistakes. It's like uh, D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was an uneducated man. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, he broke the King James English regularly. When he got God's call upon his life to be an evangelist after his salvation as a young man, I think he was 18, 19 years old when he got saved, uh, his Sunday school teacher witnessed to him, Kimball, and uh, Moody went to Chicago to be a millionaire. He wanted to be a businessman. He wanted to be a wealthy man. And God got a hold of his heart through a Sunday school teacher, and he became a Christian. And later God called him to, into ministry. And, but he didn't have an education like he should have gotten. Uh, he broke the King James English regularly while he was preaching. Matter of fact, he was in a crusade in England one time, and uh, they were one lady kept track of all the grammatical errors that he made. And after the service, she says, Mr. Moody, I want to remind you, you made 27 grammatical errors uh, while you were preaching tonight. And he said, thank you so much for reminding me. I appreciate that. That's all he said. But she didn't say a thing about all the hearts that were broken around the altar, whose hearts were broken by the power of God on an uneducated man who put one hand on England, one hand on America, and with the power of God on an uneducated man shook both nations for God. That's never mentioned. 
and Brother Clarence Sexton told a story one time about they had a great service and God moved and folks' hearts were challenged and folks were weeping and crying and some that had never been to an altar before were at the altar crying out to God and getting right with the Lord said just one of those services we couldn't explain God showed up and He can He can do that when God shows up and He says He got to the back door and He's shaking hands with somebody and one of the ladies, one of the ladies says Pastor I want to bring something to your attention that flower up there at the, at, on the altar just looks ugly and we need to get a new one He said ma'am would you, did, you, did you enjoy the service? Yeah, they're glad for the folks that got right with the Lord. But that flower's got to go. Boy, something wrong with that lady. Amen? She need to go. See, the flower need to go. But sometimes folks got a wrong conception of what it's all about. But God can move. I've been in some services where it got it's so quiet that you didn't want to say nothing. I've been in some services where God moved in a mighty way in power, demonstration. I know God can do anything anytime He wants to. The problem with most of us is we're not available to God for God to use us, and we need to be available. You may make mistakes to still be used of God and cry out to God, but perfection is not the answer for the anointing of God upon you. You don't have to be perfect to be anointing of God. You don't have to be uh, an awesome singer to be used of God. If it's limited to just those who have great ability, a lot of us have never fit in there. It's not to those who have great abilities. It's to those who just are willing and available. And God takes the nothings and makes something out of them. God takes people who are weak and gravitates toward their weakness. And He also gravitates toward their strength. He wants to make their strength weak and make their weaknesses strong. Too many folks are too strong in themselves. They're dependent upon themselves. They think they've, got, they've arrived at an ability of a Christian of maturity where they have got it all together. And they, they, have, a, they have something that God needs. God don't need me. I need God. But as long as I need God, He'll use me. But God was here before I ever showed up. And God will be here after I'm gone. And God is all powerful and almighty. And God can do anything, anywhere, anytime. And I'm glad that God can use anybody anytime. But He's got, by the way, if He can use a donkey, He can use you. Amen? Amen. And Balaam found that out. And God had a rooster one time preached. Remember that sermon? I mean, Peter heard a rooster preach. So if God could use a rooster and use a, use a donkey to preach, cheer up. You may be next in line for God to use you mightily. And then you bow your unworthy head. I like John the Baptist. When John the Baptist said, uh, I'm not worthy to unlatch, unlatch his shoes, talking about Jesus. Uh, he says, I'm just a voice. Who are you, John? Are you Elijah or Jeremiah, one of the prophets? He said, I'm just a voice of one crying in the wilderness. And John the Baptist was having thousands to come out and hear him preach. Great moves of God were being done under John the Baptist. He was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when he come down to who Jesus was, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. I must decrease and he must increase. And the crowds begin to follow Jesus, not John the Baptist. How would you react to that? Would you be jealous? How'd John the Baptist feel? John the Baptist felt so good because he was doing the will of God. And he says, I must decrease. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And John the Baptist eventually had his head beheaded, taken off because he preached the gospel. But he, he fulfilled the will of God for the life he had. But he great, that great testimony, I must decrease 
and he must increase. And may God help us to have the same attitude. Your attitude is let God put you where he wants you to be. Let God magnify you. Let God do the bragging on you. Let God pat you on the back. And let God take care of the accolades. Don't you worry about it. When somebody brags on you, thank him and forget it. Because all the praise goes to God. You know, you have a tendency in pride. All of us do. Somebody brags on us about something. We, you know, Subconsciously, the devil will tell you, you, you're pretty good. I am nothing, have nothing, never will be nothing apart from the grace of God. And the Holy Ghost of God is the only way he can help us to do something in our life. And I'm grateful that he does. He wants to use any of us and all of us. Just make ourselves available to God. And the greatest ability in the world is availability. Now, I did not get to where I was going tonight, but I will next time. To be Exodus chapter 30. Uh, when he, 33 I think it was. Let me see, be sure I got the right reference. Chapter 30. When they made the anointing oil for the high priest of the Old Testament. What ingredients they used. And all those five ingredients come to give a tremendous testimony about what God can do in our lives and the anointing oil. The anointing oil shows us if we're going to have the anointing or not. Each ingredient speaks of what we need in our life to be sure we're going to be under the anointing of God's power. I don't want to be something just to be something. I don't want to be something somebody says, boy, because it's not in man, it's of God. And when the man goes or the woman goes, or they go home to heaven, God raises up somebody else. He always does, every generation. And it says this, and I am through. David served his generation, and he slept with his fathers. He served his generation. You're serving your generation. I thought about Brother Alan Morrison today. What a blessing he's been to my own life personally as a preacher, and many other folks have, but Brother Morrison especially in unusual ways, being a blessing to this preacher. But his time's about up unless God intervenes under hospice care. And the last thing he said to me the other day with a clap, looking forward to going to heaven, ready to go, praising, but I want to stay as long as I can. And he fights for life, and that's what we'd all do. And when that last breath is given in this life, he'd be promoted to the glory world. But one thing about him, uneducated, couldn't read or write when he started. Now he quotes verses of Scripture by heart, reads his Bible, amazing testimony of what God could do to an uneducated, ignorant hillbilly that God touched his life. And he'll do whatever it needs to be done in your life and my life. Let's just make ourselves available. Say, God, here am I. Take me, use me, please, Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do, even though it's humble. Help my will to crumble. Here I am. I'm available. And then let God use you. Let's stand together, please, for prayer. You may need to come tonight for salvation. You've not been saved. Don't take for granted that they are, that everybody is saved. Not everybody has a born again experience. If you need to come, you come. Or if you're here and you're backslid away from God, not where you ought to be, or maybe you want to just get closer to God, let God use you. He'll give you and He'll give me the fresh anointing at the time we need it. When that time comes for whatever we're going to do, especially preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel, sharing our faith. Father, bless the invitation. Thank you for the truth of God that's forever settled in heaven. Thank you, Father, for what you have done, what you are doing, what you will do. Thank you for the grace of God. Thank you for the mercy of God. Thank you for the Holy Ghost of God that lives in us. 
may we be better because of the truth. Because it has set us free. And may, Lord, your will be accomplished. Bless the invitation in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.